This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. I think for the first about four years of our marriage... I did everything possible to break us up. I think I said the other day, I've I've tried to wreck our love thousands of times. And, I, you know, uh, I guess what got us through it is, or what why we're here now is Chris just never, was never ready to throw in the towel when I was. When I said, we're done, you know, I always had that person that was like, no, we're not done. We're, we're going to make this work and we're going to get, we're going to get through it. A lot of times it felt, like I was alone and that's that's a hard feeling to to go with like I knew I loved her I knew that I didn't want anything in this life other than her because it's just when for for people that that has this kind of love it it, it's you don't know it unless you experience it so it's kind of a hard thing to describe or explain to people but it's that true unending love that that you feel like no matter what happens you you're you're not going to let go you're not going to lose the most important thing in your life so for me that's that's just where I was like I wasn't going to lose her like I was going to love her through everything and just be there for her but I I never wanted to throw in the towel Chris had proposed to Goldie when they were just 18 years old he got down on one knee at Cinderella's castle but when you're that young you kind of imagine that marriage might be like a fairy tale that the prince being down on one knee and handing you a ring is the one thing that will make life all better. The first years of their marriage were hard. They were totally broke. Goldie was dealing with trauma from past sexual abuse. 
Then she developed an autoimmune disorder where she was in pain all the time. Pain that made her want to take her own life. All of a sudden, Chris was loving someone that was going through depression and anxiety. And at that time, my health got really bad. I had my first ever seizure around that same time. So I was struggling with health issues that were horribly scary. And I was dealing with mental health issues that were, if possible, scarier than that. So I would, you know, one day be having a seizure and have trouble talking and getting the migraines were getting worse and the losing the feeling in my leg was getting worse or, or whatever it was. And then if I wasn't struggling with that, I was struggling with wanting to peel hives. I attempted to not be here anymore. And it was Chris that found me unconscious. It was, you know, Chris that saved me. It was, it was Chris that showed up when I was in the hospital every single day, multiple times a day. But if there is a greater meaning or if I can find a silver lining, it's that I know a thousand percent without a doubt that this person next to me is next to me for the rest of our lives. And, you know, so I, I know I'm never alone. And that, that gives you an enormous amount of strength to just know that you have that, you have that partner, you have that best friend, you just have that part of your soul that's living outside of you. I'm Joe Piazza, and this is Committed. Chris and his wife, Goldie, are big, committed fans. I love that. Uh, That is actually how we met them. They are listeners who send us an email with the subject line, a love story for the ages. How could we not open that email? I mean, I opened that email right away. But it's also a nice reminder to you guys that if you have a grand love story, you should email us because you could end up being uncommitted just like Chris and Goldie. It was Chris who actually wrote the email. And what really got me about it was just how madly in love this man is with his wife and how he is a guy who would do absolutely anything to save her, not just to make her happy, but to save her life. But before they could even think about any of that, the two of them met at a country music concert in Charlotte. Now, Chris was not a country music person. Didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. And he was in a terrible mood that night. Not only had his grandmother just passed away, but the concert was far. It was about an hour and a half drive, and he just didn't want to be there. But all of his buddies were going, so he went. He gets to the club. He's in a crappy mood. And yet... Definitely the best decision of my life, because that's, that's where I met her as well. And I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe it'll be all right. But then when I got there and I saw her for the first time, I absolutely fell in love. Um, She had this glow about her that I've never seen before. Uh, It was a, I I joke all the time saying it's like those 80s or even 90s sitcoms where a light comes on and you hear the angels in the background going, oh, 
Like it's literally that that's kind of how I felt when I first saw her and I just I fell in love. If only she had noticed me as well, that would have been awesome and that would have been a great start to the to the love story. But Goldie did not notice him. At least not enough to be into him. She knew he was there. She knew there was a group of guys there, but Chris wasn't really on her radar. Still, they had some mutual friends and then Chris just started hanging out at her college a lot. And Chris would come over at least two or three times a week, I guess. And we all were trying to figure out who he liked. We knew he liked someone. We all were off. Nobody thought me, you know, thought other friends. So Chris became the person I talked to about all my bad dates and my good classes and all that kind of stuff. And then after a really bad date, he went and he got me ice cream. It took a couple of months, but he finally got the courage to ask her out. So one night, my RA, who was his best friend's girlfriend, came over and said, hey, Chris said hi, he wants you to come IM chat. You know, this was back when AOL was huge. So I went into her room and we we chatted for a little while and he invited me on a date. But after that first date, it was all downhill from there and we were able to just, we've been inseparable since. I love any story that involves AOL Instant Messenger. (laughs) Yeah, it reminds you like how old you really are. Now, speaking of how old they were, they were 18. I know I said that in the intro, but 18, they were babies. Still, Chris seemed a lot older than that. He had really had no choice but to grow up fast. He grew up in in a troubled home. His mom's an alcoholic. He went to school full time. He worked a full time factory job. So he was so much more mature than a lot of the guys in my college. But yeah, we were we were really young. I don't know. It just it really did feel like it felt like someone you knew your whole life. Our first date went for 15 hours. We went out to see Chris had us go to see Saw, right? Saw 3. Saw 3. It was a nightmare and it was really scary. I don't do scary movies. So I hid in his arm for the whole whole movie. I I probably can't tell you anything it's about. And then I was supposed to ditch him and go on a, we were going to break into an old dorm room on our campus or dorm, dorm hall on our campus that was slated for destruction and was known to be haunted. Me and my friends. And I wound up taking Chris with me and we did that together. And then I think we went to IHOP at like three in the morning and we just talked about about everything. So I don't we were just we were inseparable at that point. Even though he was young, Chris was a gentleman through and through. And he asked Goldie's mom permission to marry her over Thanksgiving break, barely two months later. And she had given her permission and she'd always told me growing up, you know, you're an old soul in a young body. So she always thought I'd marry young, but I think her idea was young was like 23 or 24. So when she met Chris at 18, she was like, okay, but she gave her permission and she and Chris worked together to have him surprise me on Christmas break. Goldie loves fairy tales. She loves fairy tales and princesses and surprises. So Chris and Goldie's mom had a chat and they came up with the proposal of Goldie's lifetime. So I went home, got a ring, and then funds were a wee bit tight at the time, so I didn't get on a plane and fly back. Instead, I just bought the ring, got my car, and then drove straight from North Carolina to Florida. Which was like a 13-hour drive. And my mom was like, oh, well, we should take him to Disney. He's never been to Disney. And Disney was my favorite place in the world growing up. I grew up in Florida, so we went all the time. 
and just a huge romantic, especially at that age. I always just kind of had this idea in my head of like Prince Charming kind of idea. So we go up to Disney, we go up to Orlando, which is about three and a half hours from my house. And Chris is incredibly nervous. I mean, we're like parking in the Mickey parking lot and he's shaking and he's sweating. And I was like, well, I know he's never been to Disney, but wow, this guy is like into meeting Mickey or something. And he kept forcing me into the castle. Like he was just like, no, we should go this way. And I was getting really, really annoyed with him. And my mom's like, oh no, I think that the castle's a good idea. It's gonna be closed later for a parade, I think she had told me. And so we went in through the castle. The inside of the castle is painted tiles and it's all these different scenes from the classic Cinderella story. And the one is the prince and he's sitting in the shoe part of the, of the story. And Chris got down on his knee there and he, he asked me to marry him and he had this amazing heart-shaped engagement ring. And it was incredibly magical. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. This proposal was everything Goldie had ever wanted. And then the next month, her dad passed away. And she had to drop out of school, move back to Florida, and help her mom take care of her little brother. That was never a question for her. She knew she had to go. Chris looked at me and he said, okay, we're moving to Florida. And again, Chris comes from a family that they don't leave where they're from. They all live within a 30-mile radius of each other. They don't really do higher education. So he was really facing this issue of I'm in love with her, but being in love with her means my family's not going to be okay with it. That was really hard. But to see Chris say, you know what, this is who I love and this is what I'm doing. It was amazing to watch that. So, you know, it just, it just worked. And even though it wasn't the best of circumstances, the two of them started planning their wedding hoping that their big day would be as magical as Chris's proposal was. It didn't exactly turn out that way. The wedding wasn't amazing. Uh, the wedding was, what were you used, bad? A nightmare? Uh, it was a tale of epic proportions. It was bad. <laughs> I'm actually so glad they can laugh about this now. Get ready for this story. On that, we should just probably take a quick break. Be right back. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, 
And then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goldie desperately wanted to marry Chris. The one thing she didn't want to do was give up her last name. My name is a family name from Italy. If you meet someone over here with my name, we are related. Just a really special name. I grew up going to Italy. I I had a lot of homage to that name. And so I brought it up to Chris that, you know, maybe we could hyphenate it or, you know, I I didn't know what we were going to do. And he said, well, what if I take your name? And don't know if we even knew if that was possible at the time. We looked it up and we found out it was. So we had kind of let everyone know that's what was going to happen. And his mom was not happy, even though it wasn't her last name anymore, but she was just really unhappy about the whole idea. So 
time for the wedding comes and it's the night before and we're doing the rehearsal dinner and his mom is incredibly irate and starts screaming at us and throwing like her purse and how dare I take never mind the fact that I took her son from her I now am taking his name and I'm you know taking away his identity and it was just it was a messed up night not the great night before the wedding that you want it to be and then the day of the wedding we were 19 at this time and we knew not to have alcohol a we weren't legal but b his mom was an alcoholic so we had agreed with the catering company they were going to give us a glass of champagne to you know toast being married and then it was all going to change over to sparkling cider so I'm um, walking down the aisle to start with. His mom shows up in a black dress and this like veil half covering her her face in black. And she's also surprised us with her new husband. At the time, we were 19. He was 22 and she was in her 40s. I'm going to pause us right here and just reiterate what was happening because it is crazy pants. Chris's mother berated the bride, the night before the wedding. She essentially showed up in mourning, in all black, with a black veil, and then also surprised them by bringing a brand new husband that they had never met, who was just about their age. I want to sit with that for a minute. So she cried throughout the whole wedding, sobbing, black, sobering event. And then we get to the reception, and we're noticing that she's getting drunker and drunker and we can't figure it out because I mean it's just champagne they took it away so we didn't know how you could keep getting drunk I guess the big moment that happened then was the mother-son dance and my photographer came over to me during it and he said I'm so sorry but I can't get any pictures of this because it was Chris trying his hardest to like I don't even know like hold her at arm's length almost in a way and she was strip teasing during the dance her dress came off it was a nightmare we don't we don't have any pictures of the dance at all yeah it it was it was a disaster of epic proportions and how did you support each other through it as it was happening like how were you two interacting with each other and trying to trying to help each other get through this day the wedding, I'd say we did really good. He, you know, kept looking at me and he's like, it's okay. This is one day. And, you know, we were really lucky. We had good support on my side of the family for, for, for the most part. My, it turned out my sister and her boyfriend at the time were secretly ferrying in Baca to her. So they were trying to make it worse. But Chris and I really did. We supported ourselves really well that day. And into that night, we did good. And then our honeymoon, we had decided to do a family honeymoon because we wanted we wanted to get our families to get along. So it was my mom and my sister and my brother and Chris's mom and her new husband and my aunt and my uncle. And I would say the honeymoon was where we didn't support each other good. Chris was put in a position of one night at the cruise dinner, I had given him, you know, being newlyweds, I kissed his cheek and I leaned over and I was just, you know, excited to be with him. And his mom called me, you know, a slut and just all these horrible names. And I remember we were fighting in the atrium by the elevator and his mom is hurling all these insults at me. My mom and my uncle are trying to calm things down and 
And Chris was kind of in the middle there and he didn't take my side. And he was so used to being the caretaker for his mom and being that person that cleaned up her drunken messes. That day he chose that and he, instead of, you know, choosing me. And I remember we didn't talk for that whole rest of the night. I think I told my mom, I'm like, I want a divorce. So that was a really trying time for the two of us. No, it was really trying like it was from from my perspective i'm i'm stuck between a past that is somewhat seemingly inescapable but then of a future that that holds so much promise and it's so hard to break chains and and the, the patterns and everything from a life that you're used to living a life that's been your normal every day and then me not taking my wife's side at the time was definitely one of the worst decisions of my life. I credit us getting through that because of her uncle was able to talk with me and, and sit with me. And we talked for hours that night, just man to man. And that's kind of one of the first conversations I've had where my eyes were open more, where I was able to, to see what I did wrong, what I could have done better, how I could handle things. And he then was able to talk with my wife about it as well to kind of get her on board to where we could at least have like that civil sit down moment to where we can kind of work things out. So the the only reason that I think we made it past the honeymoon is, is her uncle. Is family. Yeah. And family. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I mean, our honeymoon was not great. We joke all the time. We need to redo, but after that day, I think Chris and I locked ourselves in our, in our honeymoon suite for, I mean, probably the whole night, the whole rest of that night and into that next day and just really, you know, promised each other that we're a team and that's us against the world, no matter who it might be. And we've stuck with that. You know, we've had more run-ins with his mom and, and it's never been that way again. It's, it was hard and I, I don't think it was fair for, you know, two 19-year-old newlyweds to have to experience, but it's kind of what made, has made us as strong as we are today. They were broke. They were kids. They literally had no money. And then they were married just over a year when their son was born. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just 
disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Chris was having a hard time finding work. I was working 12 to 13 hours as a waitress, and I was exhausted. We were helping my mom with my eight-year-old brother we were tired that's where everything imploded i was coming from a background of trauma i had been sexually assaulted when i was a young young teenager and hadn't processed it at all didn't want to process it at all and chris was trying so hard to be there and i don't think knowing what to do and i i think for the first about four years of our marriage I did everything possible to break us up. I think I said the other day, I've 
I've tried to wreck our lives, you know, thousands of times. And, you know, uh, I guess what got us through it is, or what, why we're here now is Chris was never ready to throw in the towel when I was, when I said, we're done, you know, I always had that person that was like, no, we're not done. We're, we're going to make this work and we're going to get, we're going to get through it. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't, the first years were not easy and they weren't happy years. They definitely weren't years I'd want to go back to. A lot of times it felt like I was alone and that's, that's a hard feeling to, to go with. Like I knew I loved her. I knew that I didn't want anything in this life other than her because it's just when for, for people that, that has this kind of love, it, it it's, you don't know it unless you experience it. So it, it, it's kind of a hard thing to describe or explain to people, but it's that true unending love that, that you feel like no matter what happens, you're not going to let go. You're not going to lose the most important thing in your life. So for me, that's just where I was. Like I wasn't going to lose her. Like I was going to love her through everything and just be there for her. Like I've tried to confront her on, on many occasions that just would end up in huge blow up fights and just awful, awful moment in time in, in the marriage. I never wanted to throw in the towel. Like I was frustrated. I could get upset. And definitely as a younger person, like my temper and everything was not as under control as what it is now. Like you're, you're more rash. You act first and you think later when you're in that younger mind frame so there was a lot of impulsive fights there's a lot of impulsive arguments that happened in the younger years but the love never faded it was definitely lonely at the time but i just knew any i would go through anything for her i could see the pain i could see the hurt i I didn't know where it was coming from i could see everything that was going on but i just knew i had to be there for her and i needed to just love her through through it that's just kind of what i kept telling myself is just just love her through it love her through it and that's what i did being a parent early it changed everything we were forced to grow up really quick you know we all of a sudden had diapers and milk and trying to figure out formula and i was working as a waitress chris was home taking care of our first one and we were kind of splitting that shift when he when he got work and yeah, I mean, it, it, it was hard, but I think that's kind of what started to help ground us back to each other is we had to work together with this child and we knew we wanted to raise them. You know, we didn't want the background of the yelling and the screaming and, you know, the uncertainty. So we worked really hard. And I think something that's helped Chris and I is our friendship for however strong our marriage is, our friendship is a thousand times stronger than that. So even when we would be arguing, you know, the marriage, we couldn't always figure out the right way. We could figure out being best friends. And I have to say that we've never, ever struggled in the best friend department. So if I've had, you know, a time where I'm like, I, this is hard, I had that best friend to lean on. And then we had our second son and I had a stroke while I was pregnant with my second son. At the time, I you know, weren't sure if we were going to make it. And that impacted us a lot because I got to see Chris really grow up we we had so much hit us at such young ages and i think we were you know we were told our marriage wasn't gonna make it you know his family especially would tell us you know send us divorce cards in two years or three years or or whatever it was gonna be and it made it where we just worked harder at it and having our second child and seeing what it was like to 
go through something with him where, you know, I didn't know what the world was going to look like for me at that point. I was, I couldn't move my whole left side. I, I had to have surgery where they go up in my brain to check for blood clots and you're petrified. And I watched Chris take care of my mom and, you know, make sure that everyone was okay. And he kept our older son from freaking out. So I got, parenthood made me see this whole other side that was, that's an even, you know, more amazing part. So it's been a struggle. You know, I think everyone has kids to understand that they can be nuts, but you know, it also brought us closer. This injury was bad. Goldie had to completely learn to walk again. And then she developed an autoimmune disorder that left her in chronic pain. It sucks because the two of them had finally gotten to a good point in their marriage, a place where they felt strong, they were starting to feel like grown-ups, but Goldie no longer felt physically or mentally strong. She felt completely broken. I went to the lowest, most broken part I'd ever been. So where our marriage was great and strong, all of a sudden Chris was loving someone that was going through depression and anxiety. And at that time, my health got really bad. I had my first ever seizure around that same time. So I was struggling with health issues that were horribly scary. And I was dealing with mental health issues that were if possible, scarier than that. So I would, you know, one day be having a seizure and have trouble talking and the migraines were getting worse and the losing the feeling in my leg was getting worse or, or whatever it was. If you have ever been in chronic pain, you know that every single day is a struggle. Goldie just couldn't see a path forward. If I wasn't struggling with that, I was struggling with wanting pill hives. I attempted to not be here anymore. And it was Chris that found me unconscious. It was, you know, Chris that saved me. There's no way to describe the feeling when you walk into a situation like that. When I, I physically had to break down our bathroom door to, to get to her that night. And my heart stopped when, when I saw the image in front of me. Like that was a huge wake up call from a physical health perspective. From a mental health perspective, now I had something else trying to take her from me. I had something else in our lives that, that could separate us. And to me, that that's always going to be my worst nightmare is living a life without her. I say all the time that I've found my heaven on earth with her, but if I lost her, it would then be turned into a living hell, which is something that I definitely could not do. Like I, I, I couldn't imagine a life without her. Chris visited Goldie every single day in the hospital. He nursed her back to health. He found all of the right care, and we all know how hard that can be to do. He took care of her both physically and mentally. And him sticking by her, his constant refusal to give up, his eternal optimism, that is what kept Goldie going. So being sick, it sucks. And a lot of times it's really hard to find the greater meaning of it or feel as though there is a greater meaning to it. But if there is a greater meaning, or if I can find a silver lining, it's that I know a thousand percent without a doubt that this person next to me is next to me for the rest of our lives. And, you know, he, so I, I know I'm never alone. And that, that gives you 
an enormous amount of strength to just know that you have that you have that partner, you have that best friend, you just have that part of your soul that's living outside of you. When you see the person that you love most going through such treacherous times with the physical health and mental health, you feel helpless. Like you feel like everything is out of your hands. It's out of your control. Like it goes back to the same motto of, okay, I may not be able to fix it, but how can I love her through this? Like, how can I get to a point where she knows that I'm here no matter what, that my love is, is forever. We've definitely had a lot of scary moments. We've had the, the moments where she's not, where she's tried not to be here anymore, where she's finding her on that day was one of the worst, if not the worst moments of our marriage. For me, the sickness, the trials and, and everything that we've gone through, I always try to be that eternal optimist in, in those moments. And I've learned to, I guess, embrace the darkness because within it, there, there's there's the most room to be able to grow. There's the most room to be able to find your true selves and to really find a light that's brighter than anything that you could ever find. But if you're able to stick through it and get through the darkness together and the health issues that we've been having to, to her point earlier I think it's only made us stronger. It, it showed us that if we can get through these things, then there's nothing that can stop us. There's nothing that can get in our way. So it's, again, her and I against the world kind of mentality that, that we keep carrying through and we keep just becoming stronger. We keep falling even more in love with each day, which is, I thought was impossible. It's, it's always trying to find that silver lining. It's trying to find the positives and the bright things in, in the darkest of moments. Chris had proposed at 18 in a castle, having no idea what it meant to be a knight in shining armor. But he figured it out. He became a real knight in shining armor, the kind that does hard stuff in the world. What I wanted to know is whether today Chris still feels like he needs to save Goldie, if that is still a big part of being her husband. I don't think I have to save her in, in those senses anymore. It's hard because I've come from that time and those instances. I think the last couple of years, especially, she's gotten so much stronger. She's started to find her voice. And I think she's finally starting to realize how beautiful she really is, both inside and out. And it's getting to the point where I think she's seeing at least not all the time, but at least glimpses of what I see in her. And I think right now and all the things that we've been through, she's really at a point now to where I don't think I need to save her anymore. I think it's at, at a point to where I think she's good. There's still going to be dark days. There's going to be dark times, especially when you're talking about the health end of things from either physical or mental. But I think for the most part, she's so much stronger than what she was. She's grown so much more than, than I ever could have in our marriage. And I couldn't be prouder of the strides that she's made and the woman that she is today. So where are you guys now? Life now is really good. You know, the last couple of years, I think, have given us our, in some ways, our hardest days, but in some ways our best. I'm lucky enough I don't know, I'm in the marriage where, you know, I'm, I'm with my best friend every day. We do, you know, adventures without the kids uh, probably three or four times a year. I would say we've made it a really big priority to make that a part of our marriage. And 
it's me and him and I there's nothing you know we, we go to the middle of nowhere in the desert and we you know we have our secret spots and, and we it's just the two of us all day and I don't think we've ever stopped talking we played 20 questions with each other you know multiple times uh, on a trip you know, it's not realizing you could be this happy and it's finally at a point where you know I'll have friends who are married and you know newly or you know they've been married for a while and they'll ask how right now we make this look so easy and at the moment they, that answer is for us right now it really is that easy it's gone to the point where you know we it really is that easy it's I think we've been through the trials and the tribulations we've had the naysayers we've overcome so much together I think we could do anything after what where we've been and what we've gone through yeah no I, I definitely it's kind of a night and day difference from where we started to where we are now when we first started we were struggling in, in so many ways, especially from a financial perspective and from not knowing what we're doing uh, lens to go through everything that we've gone through and to make it out even stronger on the other side. It's just, it's definitely a night and day difference from where we were to where we are now. And where we are now is great because we can appreciate things a lot more. If we didn't have the bad times, if we didn't have the issues that, that we had to go through and fight through, then I don't think we would appreciate as much where we are now and really see and enjoy like the progress that we've made and, and how much we've grown. And I can't wait to see what the years ahead of us look like. That's a huge thing is to say that I've known her since we were 18 years old. I'm now 33 years old, so we're closely approaching the marker where I'm going to know her a lot longer than I knew myself originally, if that makes any sense. So where I'm going to be spending more of my life with her than I have without her kind of scenario, which is truly amazing. So from where we were to where we are, definitely night and day, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I had someone ask me the other day, just trying to figure out if she wants to say yes to a proposal or not. And I said, well, if you have to question it that much, then it's not right. You know, I, Chris and I will joke to each other all the time in a hand, in, in a room of a thousand people all blindfolded, we could figure out who each other's hands were because we just feel that electric, we feel that magic, and that's never changed. So that's always just been something we've been able to reach for. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza, with special thanks to Goldie and Christopher Genzardi. Supervising producer is Ramsey Yunt. Executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Kling. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. You can grab a copy of Joe's book, How to Be Married, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. 
Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.